Welcome back to Sci-Fi Cross-Sections, a podcast dedicated to everything science fiction. It's me, your sci-fi boy, Colin Brandon, and with me today is... Jason. I am Ben Young. That's right, folks. That is all we have for today. <laughs> it's okay. Um, which, you know, I, I like a smaller cast because less people need to share their uh, their opinion, which means we can go more into depth with ours. So uh, today we are talking about... Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Fallen Order, thank you. Well, they've made so many Jedi games back in the day. <laughs> I literally for a quick second forgot. So Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, uh brought to us by Respawn Entertainment. Woo! Uh produced by EA. Sorry. Um uh, directed by I'm gonna say this name wrong because I always say the names wrong, but uh Stig Asmussen. That is correct. Swedish, I think. His claim to fame would be the God of War series. Not all of them. He didn't work on number four, I believe, right? No, he was part of the original trilogy of Santa Monica. And I think he left Santa Monica and made Respawn, right? Like, Respawn's like, well, not just him, yeah, but it's I, a couple yeah, people. I, I think he was one of the, like, the founders. And uh, Respawn, their claim to fame so far was... Uh, well, Titanfall 1 and 2, as well yep. as the very successful Battle Royale game. Apex. Apex, Apex thank you. Yeah. Which is very good. Like, it's, it, if you know, I'm not good at Battle Royale games <laughs> by any means, but if there was anyone I, I had to pick to play, it'd be Apex, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Apex. Uh, I had not played the Titanfall games prior to that, so I think for a lot of Titanfall fans, it meant more because you're kind of in the same universe, the same guns and everything, at least. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but I did enjoy Apex. I think I played it for a solid couple months until I got my first win. And then it was like, all right, I'm going to hang my hat on that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, so a little bit of, I guess, backstory on Respawn. Um, so obviously Respawn, uh, similar to kind of what we were talking about, uh, Outer Worlds, you know, because um, Obsidian obviously was kind of formed in the ashes of like Black Isle was made up a lot of developers of that respawn was uh kind of the ashes of infinity ward or at least original infinity ward which obviously was uh popular or known for the original call of duty series uh so definitely come from kind of a first person shooter background really finely tuned first person shooter sort of gameplay respawn was formed um they did the first titanfall which is multiplayer only Played around with that a little bit, definitely from a gameplay perspective, was really, really tight, so it kind of showed promise from them being a new studio. Uh, Titanfall 2 was incredible. I'd love to do it for the cast. Great game. Um, in terms of gameplay, the story was phenomenal. Uh, movement was just fluid. It's free on PlayStation Plus right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah game of the it. month. And then, obviously, Apex was kind of their most recent outing before the game we're talking about tonight and really shared a lot of gameplay elements with Titanfall 2 just as far as movement, gunplay, you know, how good everything felt. So, yeah, they're definitely coming from having a, a good pedigree of finely tuned gameplay and production values, which I think ties into the game we're going to talk about tonight. I never played Titanfall 1. I did pick up Titanfall 2. I uh, messed around with the campaign a little bit. I love it. I, To me, it's kind of like a... We're not going to go too far into death, but it felt like a spiritual successor to uh, Halo. Just the way that the game is paced. Sure, yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. But we're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. 
Uh, the game came out in November of 2019. Met success right away, critically. Um, pretty much eight and nines across the board from what I saw. A couple sevens in there. Uh, if you're judging it on the one to ten scale. Um, the lead actor in it was Cameron Monaghan. Uh, Monaghan, Monaghan. I don't know. I, how I, the I've Irish heard it pronounced as Monaghan, but that's probably right. Uh, where, what did he do before this? He's Gotham? fantastic. So he's he's got like that cult following through um uh oh what's the fucking show called with William H Macy? Shameless. Shameless. Okay, he was on there first. That's where. He's, well, that's where he got to start. Jesse saw me playing it, and she's a big Shameless fan. There you and go. She's like, is that the guy from Shameless? <laughs> I'm like, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, definitely. And um, he also is in Gotham. Um, he is also in Gotham as the uh, Joker. No, spoiler. No, just kidding. Couple versions of the Joker, actually. And I love Gotham. I think Gotham is one of my favorite comic book adaptations of anything ever. Like, it's so much fun. And Cameron, Mon Cameron Monaghan is one of those, like, rare gems in the show where every time he's on screen, you're just like, oh. Fuck yeah, you like get all cozy and you just sit down, sit back and you watch 40 minutes of nuts, like action, great acting. Like I love Cameron Monaghan and no exception in this, of course. So pretty safe to say that this was his first voice acting gig, though. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much mocap went on with this game. It seemed like there was mocap. Yeah, I'm right? sure. Like, yeah, okay, there I, definitely I, was. I, this would be one of those where just... The way the animation was done, it wouldn't surprise me if this was like a full on like, you know, uh, Last of Us Uncharted mocap performance. Right. I mean, it seemed pretty, pretty involved the way they modeled those characters. Yeah. They were they definitely did. playing themselves. You know, they I did do motion capture. I, I will say that I play the game on a non 4K PS4 and my TV is old as balls that I was playing it on. And the game still looks fucking gorgeous to me. Um, yeah, just the environments, the levels, uh, the worlds, with exceptions, of course, that we'll talk about. I'm okay. sure. Yeah, but yeah, no, I agree. It's a beautiful game. I mean, I'm not gonna say it was yeah the most beautiful game I've ever played, but it did disappoint me in any sense of the way. Uh, I read somewhere what the inspiration was for like the the world building, like the the way they built the levels. Uh, Metro. Like a Metroidvania. Metro, Metro, uh, Metroidvania, yeah. yeah. Metroidvania, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I don't know how we want to tackle this. If we want to go right into that type of stuff, because I mean, I've got opinions on that. Either you got more respawn stuff, so I don't know exactly how we want to how we want to break it down. I mean, I think the first thing that we should talk about is is not that it's just designed as a Metroidvania. But it's designed as specifically a Souls-like game, which is kind of a new genre that came out in this decade. Well, that was the inspiration. They pulled it from both of those specifically. Yeah, of course. Like level design in Metroidvania, I see, of course. And then gameplay in very, very deep roots of Souls-likes. You could tell that that was something that was uh, a... a, a immediate selling point for them for the game like this is going to be a souls like and for those who don't know because i i've said that term before to people and they're like what the fuck is that souls like is a new genre basically of games at this point subgenre to action i'd say um that stems from the game dark souls 
uh, or Demon Souls, however you want to look at it, but Dark Souls popularized and fine-tuned it, uh, in which you, the biggest catch, I think, to the, to the genre is that uh, you can only, you get your health packs back when you rest, and resting respawns the enemies. And of course, it's uh, dying as a mechanic, where <laughs> you learn your villains as you face them, and you learn combat as a puzzle, as I like to put it. Fun fact, just because this goes to show how closely I read things. Uh, the first time on, uh, oh God, what's the planet called? Starts with a B. Bogano. Bogano. The first time I rest on that planet, it clearly says enemies will respawn. Mm -hmm. Did not read that. I just saw the force power comes back, health comes back. Sweet, we're doing this. I turn the corner. Mm -hmm. There's a giant fucking toad-like bog thing that I just killed. That's a pain in the ass to kill. Maguano, Maguano, or yeah. Ogdo. Yeah. The fuck? A, Ogdo. Well, there's Maguano. the Ogdos, and then there's the there's the big boy Ogdo Bogdo. Yeah, which we'll get into in sure. And he's just fucking sitting there. I'm like. No way, I just fucking killed you, and all the little tiny bog rat things are there, and I'm like, fuck, man. <laughs> um, needless to say, at that point on, I played on the uh, easy easy mode, because that was just obnoxious, but, uh, yeah, anyways, continue, Ben, I'm sorry. That was basically it, I mean, oh, okay. that is the, the genre of the game, you know, so a lot of people, you know, who, who have played it, I've seen, who aren't familiar with Souls Likes, because... I, Star Wars and Dark Souls don't have a direct intersection in in their style of in their genre niches. I guess I, I seen people be like, I don't get why this has to be so hard, and it's like, yeah, like you're punished, quote unquote, for dying in these kinds of games, but you can't get through your first time without dying, like especially for bosses. Like that is how you learn what not to do next time like that's sure. you know that's how i beat all of the bosses in this game i died a million times i i was trying to count um on the ninth sister boss fight and i think i died uh, over 50 times that much i know for yeah, sure i believe it um <laughs> yeah well that was kind of interesting thing for me coming into respawn because uh like we were kind of talking about uh in our intro so respawn there's kind of a lot of controversy because well it was coming from two sides. One is kind of the current state of Star Wars video games, which is a whole other topic we can talk about. We're going um, to. Which, yeah, I think we will tonight. The other thing would be uh, Respawn kind of coming in as, um, well, I guess you put it this way. So Respawn was just kind of like Respawn, whatever. It's just another developer on the scene. Obviously, they've got a good pedigree, but they're just kind of doing their thing. And Titanfall 2 became kind of this cult game so like titanfall 2 came out um critically just blown away i'm blown out of the water it was on year-end lists it was great but it didn't sell like a crazy amount it didn't sell like a call of duty it didn't sell like you know one of these blockbuster billion dollar games so the future of that series was kind of put in question and there's a pretty vocal contingent of fans that you know they were really uh, for Respawn being this independent entity, which they were for a while. So they split from Activision. Uh, they started kind of doing their own thing. Obviously, they had some backing, but they were independent. It was almost kind of like uh, where we find like the Bungie now. Yeah. You know, it was kind of that thing where, OK, cool. What are they going to come up with? They're obviously very talented. Seems like they got a vision. So it was really exciting. And then when uh, 
I remember the day they announced the EA partnership. If you were to go on Respawn's Facebook page and, you know, do what we say we'll never do, but we always do is read the comments and read some of the posts on Respawn's page. It was just like, you know, they stabbed their fans right in the heart and like get the industry. We've talked at length about it. I think with a few game casts we've done here recently, there's always going to be the, uh, you know, the kind of the corporate overlord thing, uh, especially these days of, you know, your AAA game development um, and the potential for kind of sucking the soul out of any of these creative properties or um, these kind of indie game developers. And really at that level to respawn came and say they're like an indie game developer. Obviously, all those folks on the development team have experience in the AAA sphere, but I think everyone was kind of hoping that they would cling to their own thing a little bit longer. So I know going into this project, there was a lot of, okay, well, let's see how this is going to go, because I think a lot of people were placing the onus on Respawn to prove them wrong. So can Respawn do this big blockbuster project like this with all the backing and everything else and still kind of retain their soul or retain the identity of the studio? So with that being said, um, it was interesting for me coming into this game because kind of to piggyback off what you said, Ben, and we'll talk about it later because that's a big part of what I want to talk about the game, but like the fact coming into this is kind of a Souls-like, you know, it has roots in that type of game, that type of game design. It was really uh, jarring to me because here's this developer I know for these really tight, well-scripted, well-thought-out, and very tightly playing um, first-person shooter games. You know, that's that's what they've done. Mm -hmm. uh, and this was kind of like... Uh, coming completely out of left field, Very it reminded me of uh, what Gorilla did with Horizon Zero Dawn. Because yeah. it's the same type of thing. Like, here's this developer you know for these really tight, heavily scripted first-person shooter games that are beautiful. And really the big thing is, you know, the technology. They're always pushing the technology, but they weren't really known for, like, their great story or world building or whatever. I mean, it was there, but it wasn't, like, the focus. And then they come out with Horizon Zero Dawn, which is, like, holy shit, this incredible open world action game gameplay you know is super tight but it's in a completely different genre you know it's a third person action game with light role-playing elements open world quests the whole nine yards so that was kind of i guess i was pleasantly surprised that respawn was able to come into something like this that would seemingly be outside their comfort zone and be able to just kind of tackle it with that sense of confidence and it's worth noting that a company like EA doesn't just allow that. That's like a really important thing to know. Like EA buys companies because their companies are good at what they do specifically. Like you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like they're not like they're EA is not a yeah, go wild experiment kind of company. And I think that's why a lot of people don't like them. I, I'm not like an EA hater, quote unquote. I, I recognize the problems that EA represents in the industry and I will criticize EA's decisions. But I also like like look at the Bioware situation where that was uncovered by Polygon at the beginning of the year. Like that was Bioware. That wasn't EA in any way. And like lots of people like to place Anthem's blame on EA. And it's like, no, EA hired Bioware to do a job and Bioware didn't do it. So, of course, EA punishes them. I think, um, so with that being said, I think uh, a lot of the shift in style and genre is solely responsible to Respawn. I think this is the game that Respawn pitched 
to EA that was like, you know, hey, we're coming, we're getting bought by you. Let's, I, we would like to make a Star Wars game, and this is the kind of game we want to make. Because, and they, they, they had to have a strong pitch because otherwise EA wouldn't have said yes. Because they're not the type of company to direct a company like Respawn, who is notorious for FPSs. They're the EA is the type of company to look at Respawn and go, "We want you to make a Republic Commando game," you know. Mm-hmm. But play to their strengths exactly, and I can believe that too because you know in in the game, um, and I, I keep tap dancing around. It. I know we'll get there, but like in the game, regardless of like thoughts on particular elements of the game, you can tell it was made by a team that had passion for what they were doing. It Absolutely. didn't. It didn't seem to me like they were checking any or ticking any boxes with Fallen Order. Um, it definitely to me. You could tell that there was that element of familiarity with the source material, passion for the source material. A lot of care was taken, I think, with certain elements and kind of the way they did it. So ultimately, I was really happy being a Respawn fan and loving what they did with Titanfall 2 and to an extent uh, Apex. I feel like uh, the fact that Apex has been as successful as it has been and then now this game has been successful to the point where they're already talking sequel. That's yep. like the big rumor the last few days yep. is that they're hiring. Um, so they're already talking sequel. Uh, I know for myself and a lot of other Respawn fans, uh, this is kind of the hope now that it it puts the onus on EA to almost kind of reward them for creating something that's been really commercially viable and critically viable that kind of fit in whether or not it was, uh, you know, done purposely kind of fit into the mold of, okay, let's create a franchise. Let's create a blockbuster game that now they might loosen the reins a little bit for their other creative projects. And we might get Titanfall three, because I know that was the big, you know, uh, pain point, I guess, with a lot of the Titanfall fans. Uh, when we heard about the EA acquisition, it was like, oh, okay. So I guess we're never getting Titanfall three then, you know, I think a lot of people were afraid that they were just going to, grind respawn into the dust and that it was going to be you know another get a get 10 games out of them in four years and then shutter the studio and i think everyone was you know bummed about the possibility of that but now i feel like we might that respawn will be rewarded with uh maybe a loosening of the purse strings or maybe at least uh, creatively um you know just kind of more of an open book and who knows maybe with the lessons ea's learned over the last few years especially a lot of the backlash which i think most of is deserved. Some of it's not deserved, yeah. but most of is deserved okay. that maybe they're learning a lesson and maybe that's the agreement. Maybe that was the agreement already. Maybe we're reading a lot into this because that's what we're seeing on the public front. But maybe when that contract was signed between EA and Respawn, it was, yeah, you guys, you know, do this project, deliver it to us, you know, Q4 2019 and your next game is completely up to you. Do what you want. Titanfall 3, sweet. Do it. It's funny you you say that, actually. Um, I want to come back to that in a moment. But I also want to say that hopefully this is a message to EA that these are the kind of Star Wars games we want. Not not specifically in the terms of genre, but it's not just it's not just the genre that makes this game good to me, at least. It's the characters. They This game has really strong characters throughout, and it doesn't, you know, we'll get heavier into this. It doesn't tell anything new. It doesn't say any, bring anything new, per se, to Star Wars. But there it's a strong character driven story and it's a fun adventure and that's all we want out of star wars character driven fun adventure 
like, let's try 1313 again, maybe, because that seemed like that was going to be it, right? Mm -hmm. Seems like it was going to be a character-driven fun adventure. I think that had roots more in what this ultimately became, especially if you compare the last few Star Wars games. I mean, let's look at the last few Star Wars games. So what, you had Battlefront 2, I think, which was a nightmare, all things considered. I haven't even played it. We'll even put the the first Battlefront back after EA. You know, that was the same type of thing. Bunch of microtransactions, tons of controversy. The controversy, based on kind of their market practices, or at least what they were trying to do, just overshadowed the game. So, I mean, most folks couldn't really tell you very much about the game, but they certainly could tell you about the controversy surrounding it. So, I feel like, you know, we see a lot of this stuff, especially in that kind of AAA game sphere, it's all cyclical. So, it's going to take a year or so for a lot of these big publishers to, like, course correct and then they will do something like what we saw with this game where it's like almost miraculous. Like, holy shit, where'd that come from? Yeah. And then, you know, they'll kind of ride out that goodwill for a while and then things will start tipping the other way. And then it's, you know, that we see that happen so often here. But I feel like given the fact that most of these big publishers have kind of done the same thing and burned through that goodwill, at least to their fan base and the people that are going to be buying these games... I don't know. Maybe this is finally going to be a sea change here where we'll start seeing games like this game become, I don't know, more the the rule and less the exception. I mean, we can hope. I don't know. One thing I do want to say, too, is that like you talk about microtransactions like. I understand that in 2019, that even in this decade, like microtransactions are important in the survival of studios. It's. It was the evolution of the elongation of game development. Because back in the day, games did not take three years to make. Because not everything a studio made was a triple-A game. Triple-A games were were four or five times in a generation. Now we have, what, like eight triple-A games come out per console a year? And these studios are shelling them out. And they can't make games fast enough to be a sustainable company, which is why microtransactions come up. With that being said, EA went way too far. There's a line. There's always a line. And it was out of control. Well, the thing is, is you don't know how far you can push it until you push it too far. That's true. Mm -hmm. And EA learned that lesson, I think. Hopefully. Hopefully. I think they're in the process uh, of learning there it, are, absolutely. There are good models to look at. Um, Blizzard actually has a very good model for how you can actually do these microtransactions. Is It doesn't affect the way the game is played or what you can do in the game. A lot of it has to do with like cosmetics. And it is shown that people pay for this shit. Right. EA can go that route, I think. Um, you were right in saying that to keep these AAA games coming without increasing the game or the cost of these games of the fact that it's still 60 fucking dollars is unbelievable un completely unbelievable mm-hmm. it should cost way more for the amount of effort that goes into making these games um two ways to get around that is microtransactions and in-game like advertisements for things which we've seen both of um i think depending on what the game is is what i would say is the more efficient way to go about that but no, I I think EA has learned a lesson in the last five years or so, specifically with what happened to um, Battlefield Two. I remember Battlefront Two. Battlefront Two. <laughs> I remember 
walking through a retail store and seeing the video game cases on Black Friday, like the morning after that mm-hmm. initial rush and everything, and I see the video ca- game cases are empty except for Battlefront 2. Oh, There's just stacks of Battlefront 2 sitting in these cases. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that, you know, people always complain about things, but they still pay for it anyways. Um, this is one of those few moments where it's like, no, people actually spoke with their dollar. They Good. did not buy Out something and they sent yeah. a message. No, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think we kind of got on a whole kick here where we're talking about like state of the video game industry, but I think that's important just because of what this game represents. It puts these games into Yeah, because that, that's the thing. I mean, we've seen so much of every single game under the sun coming out and striving to be like a live service game. Uh, and I play tons of games, at least I, I certainly try to. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting when like you've got a game where if you go back 12 years, you know, when the first one came out, uh, like Assassin's Creed, you know, it was very kind of small scale. You had the, these big cities, uh, historical cities, which at the time felt massive. Now you look at them and they're they're tiny. But, you know, it was very you play the game, you get the story credits roll. You're done. Maybe go back. You want to get some achievements or you want to, you know, be a completionist, whatever. And then like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which I loved, but it's like you know, event after event after event and season pass and all this type of stuff. So, I mean, it, it's kind of refreshing in, in some way. Anytime we see a game now that comes out that just strives to be a contained experience that you can finish. Yeah. Which that's there's a, something to be said for that, too, because I was, I think, firmly in the camp even four or five years ago where if a game gave me 100 hours worth of content, man that's great like Mm -hmm. i'm all about it here's my 60 bucks i'll spend 20 bucks on expansions whatever but give me hours give me hours of play give me content give me stuff that's worthwhile now it's intimidating i don't finish a lot of games no because i mean we're all either uh pushing 30 we're right we're damn near close i mean we're all got families we got jobs you know job jobs so it's not like we can sit there anymore I, i remember playing you know uh what was it oblivion for 40 hours over christmas break in 2006 you know like we can't really do that anymore we certainly play and we try to indulge it hobby when we can but it's nice to play a game which like this one you know has an end in sight there's certainly a lot of content there but it's it doesn't drag on forever you're right i've come to appreciate a game where i can beat it in 20 hours 40 hours like backs um, I really learned to appreciate that. I also love resolution. And a lot of games that I'm starting to drift towards now kind of give me that in that time frame. It, it was worth the investment of time. I'm there. It happened. It's done. Move on. Sure. Ben? I did want to say, too, that uh, you like you said, I I do finish games for the most part. However, it's really like a lot of like I am going to play a game and I'm going to play this through to the end, and that will be my game for the next five months. <laughs> like, like the only reason I even finished like the Outer Worlds and Jedi Fallen Order as fast as I did was just because it was like, okay, we've got the casts coming up. I, these are now priority for me. So I I blew through Outer Worlds, and I actually didn't hundred percent Jedi Fallen Order like I wanted to. Um, but I will go back and do it later. One thing I will say going into this game. People kept telling me, or how long is it going to take me to play? I kept asking that, kept asking my coworkers that, and they would say, oh, it's going to take this long, or it's going to take this long. And 
basically if you're not looking 100% it, it doesn't take too long to beat the game. And I know and I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. If you just go through a level properly, you can 100% it. You know, like Tomb Raider and stuff. No, you have to literally learn new things and develop new skills as you go through the game to be able to go back and 100% it. Now, that was really interesting to me. Um I kind of like that system. I, I think games should do that more often. Which isn't an old concept. That's where the Metroid, the Metroidvania style of of level design comes into it, where you have to, you know, you you start the game lost your, you know, when we begin, Cal has lost his uh, connection to the Force. We learn um, through the trauma that Order sixty six was, and he has to regain his connection to the Force one ability at a time. And that's what you're talking about is like using different force powers to get into different areas and things of that nature. And I thought that was really neat. The way that new force powers are introduced to you feels pretty cool. I love the flashbacks that happen. Every oh, that was time. pretty organic. Yeah, e exactly. The first time when you learn the wall running on, uh, I'm going to say that name, Bogano. Uh, mm -hmm. First off, I had recently just been playing Titanfall 2, which I love the wall running ass uh, concept that happens the way that it it worked into the game it was fucking awesome. And as soon as I saw that happening, I was like, sweet, they brought wall running back. All right. <laughs> and yeah, you obviously you meet uh, BD one there. Um, I'm By not going to lie. Oh God. Every single time I send BD one into one of those little boxes to just scurry around and find me something. I'm fucking excited. <laughs> I don't know what it is about opening chests in games, but oh. It's so fun. BD-1 is my favorite droid in the entire Star Wars EU ever in the history of all things made. I love that little droid so much. It's He's a cool character, so it's kind of uh, funny to me. Like As I was playing the game, I couldn't help but notice... There's two points I'll make about the droids, and um, I guess the first one would be, at least with the the post Disney acquisition like droid design of the uh, trademark patent pending cute droid. Yeah. I feel like BB eight nailed it. Sure. Iconic right off the bat. You know, first movie I won the hearts of everybody. Things cute. It's great. You know, it emotes very well. The lighter given. Yeah. The lighter, all that stuff. BD one continues in that tr tradition. I, I think like of an R two D two, a you know BB eight. Now you've got BD one. Like it, it was funny because uh, my wife and I just got a dog like about three months ago, and uh, he, he's a mini pin, and he's got these ears that are just hilarious, right? They're like little satellites, and that was the thing I kept thinking about every time BD one would like emote his antennas would go back, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what our dog does whenever he's like excited or whatever, you know, he puts his ears back. So it was kind of funny, like, you know, just using those elements of organic things and things that we find cute or whatever. Um, the way they design that character immediately, like you feel for him, you know, there's a few points in the game where you're separated from him and it's like, where's, where's he him. at? Where's he at? <laughs> you know, I got to find him. So that's great. I mean, that's great character design. The fact that they kind of continue that lineage of star Wars, making these droids characters you care about you don't know what they're saying at least we don't know our, our right. characters know we don't know what they're saying but that you can form that connection with those characters and treat them like full-fledged characters ultimately bd1 is arguably the like the if not one of the most important characters in the entire game 
um, as far as the story goes, uh, for what his function in the story yeah. is. Uh, so I don't know. I just I I thought that was really cool. That's, um, that's what I was going to say too. Is that he is a he is more than just cute droid. That's why I love him so much. He's more than cute droid. He's more than quirky droid. He serves a purpose not just in plot, but he has character development. They gave a droid full on character development through it's his own unlocking of the memories and through his own kind of growing boldness as he continues to travel with Cal. Like this, this droid grows along with Cal and it's really exciting to see. It's just fun. Yeah. It's not as a, as, as deep of an arc as Cal has or anything, but he is a very important character. Like you mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. I just realized the, the, I don't know if it was voice acting or some sort of motion capture, but the, uh, the guy that did oh wow hang on a second hang on a second ladies and gentlemen we have breaking news breaking news so this guy benjamin burt jr is an american sound designer film editor director screenwriter and voice actor he has worked on sound designer films including star wars indiana jones invasion of the body snatchers from 78 uh et and wally the list goes on and he's the one that did bd1 Oh, nice. That's so cool. Like the uh, that's like the sound editor for uh, the Clone Wars, I think, was the voice of all of the battle droids in I didn't know that. the Clone Wars. Yeah, he was just the guy who filled in. And at least it was early on. I don't know if that changed later, but I remember watching a featurette involving uh, the first season and the, the movie that was that came before the first season. And yeah, he was talked about how he was like. I just filled in the voices with my own playing around and then it just kind of became a thing. So, yeah. Holy shit. This guy's done a lot, including a prequel trilogy. He was a supervising like sound editor and stuff. Mm -hmm. And which I got to say, the sound editing on the prequel trilogy is probably the best aspect of that. Those oh, three yeah. Movies. Wonderful. Um, phenomenal. But anyways, uh, he did Star Wars The Force Awakens was the latest Star Wars thing besides this game that he did. Uh, nice. Oh, wow. He did uh, Forces of Destiny. What was that? That is the mobile game? I guess. You got me on that. I don't know. I'm not that really was sure. Television? I don't know. Huh. Holy shit. Wow. He, We're he, out of touch. Hang on. Holy shit. He was the sound designer on the holiday special back in the 70s. Man, this dude's got roots. Dude's been yeah, in the dude. trenches. Yeah, this guy's doing it. Star Wars Fallen Order was the latest video game that he has done. Cool. He's actually only done three. Wally, Lego of the Incredibles, and this. Well, he did a great job. Yeah, no, this guy has... I. That kind of makes the character even better, knowing that someone, I guess, with this much history... Yeah. Both the franchise and just the industry in general was a part of it. So that's cool. So there is also in this game a little bit of a surprise appearance from uh, Forrest Whitaker, who literally hits your window as you're mm -hmm. riding, as you're riding an at at. And uh, he it, it's him. It's legitimately Forrest Whitaker. Mm -hmm. yep. I, I was like, that's not fucking Forrest Whitaker. I was like, that doesn't sound like Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> I was certain it wasn't him, but it certainly is him. He returns as Saw Gerrera once again. This character just will not fucking die. Mm -hmm. But uh, I thought that was cool. I thought it was cool to kind of see that intermingling of of the of the 
pieces of of the what am I saying? Just the pieces of media, you know, coming from Clone Wars to Rebels to this and then over to Rogue One, you know. It's cool. It's cool to see Saw Gerrera kind of be the face of rebellion for a lot of things. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I So I, I guess to me, like looking at this game's place in this kind of new canon now, mm-hmm. you know, when I think about the probably the Star Wars game that was the probably most positively received before this game came out. It would probably be uh, Force Unleashed. The first first one. one. Yes. And it was interesting at the time that was canon. That was pre-Disney. So that like that was canon. The story treatment was done by Lucas. So like he had a say in it and everything. And, you know, it was um, all that was kind of intended to be an explanation of what was happening between, you know, trilogies basically. And, um, it was interesting because there really, at that point, there wasn't a lot of connective tissue in like the force unleashed game versus kind of what we're seeing in fallen order. So like, what I mean by that is you have some characters that are familiar, you know, you might've heard of them before, whatever. Obviously you got Palpatine, you got Vader, you've got that, but a lot of it was kind of just its own thing that just happened to fit in because of, I guess, the story that they were trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, with this game, though, to your point, Ben, there's a lot more um, just kind of interconnected plot points. Like you're seeing characters like that. So that's cool. So now you're seeing a character that we've seen in live action films. We've seen that character in, you know, an animated series. It's all part of this timeline now. It's all canon stuff. It's all story. But um, there's a lot more in this particular story to kind of tie it in. And I thought that was a wise decision because uh, much like what we're seeing with Mandalorian, uh, it feels grounded in this universe. It feels like it's part of it, like it's part of what we've consumed the last three, four years. You know, the Rogue Ones, the... You know, the the new trilogy stuff that we've seen, um, a lot of the, I guess, what would be considered like the canon stuff now, not the legend stuff, obviously, but the canon stuff now, it feels like it fits in. It has its own place. Um, and I think that was a good way to kind of do it. There are certain things that I don't want to say they were shoehorned in. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But there were certain things where it was kind of like, OK, yeah, you know, I guess they had to go there. but. I, I thought by and large, like that whole scene on uh, Kashik where you have, you know, the uh, what's the his band? I'm trying to remember what they're called. I always forget. It's it's something stupid because because they're all really dumb anyway. But I guess the point there being that. It it firmly does feel partisans, partisans. That's it. Yeah, sorry. It, I knew it was some of the oh, we talk about Ke- Saul. So- Sagarreras. Yes. Thanks for joining us, Overlord. <laughs> Sorry. No, I, oh, just, just I know fact, what you were talking about. Sorry. Yeah, just the fact that in, in the story of this game, in a few instances, they bring in elements like that and they bring in characters where it's like, oh, cool. Okay, well, this now kind of ties it to the stories that I guess Disney's been telling the last five or six years. You know, you see a character like that. All things considered... When you're on, um, I, I said Kashik, but Kashik, whatever. I don't know. I, I've, yeah. I mean, if you say Kashik, you're just an Imperial, so. <laughs> so 
well because i've been playing kotor too so like i'm like <laughs> uh, i got all these different you know uh pronunciations flying at me but yeah like they didn't have to go there no they they didn't have to go there with it with the characters involved they didn't have to do that i mean it could have just been you know a bunch of rebels whatever but they did and i thought that was kind of cool um i appreciated it i thought it was like oh okay well i mean it's not I want to call him a minor character. I mean, in the overall grand scheme of things, relatively minor character, but still someone that I, I think a fan paying attention certainly would recognize. I did, you know, and I'm sure most other Star Wars fans playing the game would recognize that and say, oh, hey, that's really cool. You know, that's a really cool appearance. So More so, this game legitimately expands upon plots from other pieces of media specifically the clone wars when last we saw dathomir the night sisters got fucked up like that was that and so it's really cool to see this continuation of dathomir and see what was left of them when dooku was fucking finished with them uh i i won't get into it because i think you actually haven't seen clone wars right i started watching it okay well i won't go any further than that but this does give you some kind of like hints about what happened um but the the night sisters are a strong piece of plot in the clone wars so it's it's really cool to go on to dathomir kind of learn like oh something bad's happened here malikos who is probably like one of my favorite new like turn jedi at this point i really wish we got more of him in fact i kind of would want to see some eu stuff on him perhaps maybe a comic book there are a couple jedi fallen order books out there so it's possible that they do have something on him but i thought malikos was super cool oh yeah well the way that they introduced his character and then you know Immediately (laughs) gives you Palpatine vibes, by the way. But but that was the thing with his character, which I thought was kind of cool the way they developed him, because you see him a few times. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't get resolution on his story arc the first time you're on Dathomir. When they do resolve it, I thought it was it was kind of an interesting piece of like visual storytelling when you're fighting him. And when he ignites his lightsabers and they're red, you yeah. know, it's like because up to then, you know, you, you which is another point I kind of wanted to touch on. You almost get this kind of like, yeah, this guy's probably evil, but could he be maybe like a gray Jedi? Could he be right. someone who's trying to say no? We Because a lot of the verbiage he's using in kind of what he's, I guess, describing to Cal as his philosophy or like his philosophy from this point forward sounds very similar to like a Kylo Ren sort of thing. Like we need to start something new. We can start something, you know, kind of fresh or we can start over or whatever. So it's kind of like, okay, well, what's this guy's angle? You know, he seems like he's going to be nefarious. He seems like someone I'm going to be fighting in an arena here shortly, (laughs) which you do. But the minute he ignites his, you know, he's got the two single blade lightsabers. The minute he ignites them and they're, you know, red, it's like, oh, okay, this guy's totally been corrupted, you know, but it was interesting because uh, unlike a lot of characters, I think early on in Star Wars media, like games, whatever, he wasn't as black and white. I feel like he he definitely, you know, he was kind of stringing you along and you didn't really know what was going to happen until it happened. Yeah. And I feel like in his his character's mind, he wasn't 
evil. He wasn't bowing to the dark side or he wasn't, you know, he, he hadn't embraced that completely or fully. I think he was corrupted in a way, but it wasn't in, in a black and white way. If that makes sense. I wouldn't even say he was corrupted. I would say he was unstable. He was, he was a guy who's gone through trauma at the end of the day. And he, I would say you were, you're right. I was about to say like, he is, he is still gray. He just leans toward the dark side and he hasn't embraced it. Malikos uh, is just someone dealing with trauma that's lashing out, you know, when, when Cal, especially when Cal returns and understands kind of his place in the force, he, uh, he doesn't, you know, Cal doesn't want to fight him. He very much is like trying to just be like, look, man, I'm just here to get my stuff and go <laughs> like, but, uh, and then, but what really makes that battle so special too is, is it's, it's sad because you're, you get this feeling of, of Malkos didn't need to be like this. He just is lashing out out of defensiveness, mostly more than anything. But then um, the help you get from the Night Sister, that's the first time you really get help, like combative help in this game, I think. Yeah. And it was such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> Me, I played this game on Grandmaster, by the way, guys. <laughs> it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It was hard nope. as fuck. And so when she finally shows up and like comes to my aid, I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. I love you. She saved me couple of times where he'd be coming at me and I was like popping my stim and I was about to die and she'd pop out of nowhere and blast him with the magic and would start uh, stagger him for a moment so I get my stim and I'm like oh my god you're a lifesaver great stuff well and that was kind of a part of what I actually really liked about that whole act of the game and maybe you could shed some light on this because like I said I'm admittedly have not watched Clone Wars and you know mm-hmm. I haven't really delved really deep into a lot of the expanded universe stuff and like the still canon stand uh, expanded universe stuff. But like that whole element on Dathomir where they're almost like, and they referred to, to her several times as like a witch Mm -hmm. and the type of like force powers or force energy that she's conjuring is different than what I've seen. Certainly different than what I've seen in kind of like the mainstream mainline star wars stuff so it was kind of cool because never once at least from like what she was doing did i strike her as being a someone who's evil or like a sith or anything like that it just seemed like this very different type of power different type of energy kind of emanating from this place uh again i don't really know the history of it so i could be way off base there i could be right on the nose but that was kind of the thing with that whole segment of the game um like when you know the her sisters like fall out of the pods and everything. It's Mm -hmm. like, holy shit. Now there's fucking zombies and, you know, star Wars, like what's going on. It was just really refreshing because it was different. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a, you know, a snow planet or it wasn't a, you know, we're not on uh, (laughs) it wasn't salt. Yeah. You know I mean? It was, it was just something new. I I look at, um, like the death night sisters and stuff like that. It's, it's really cool that we've been exploring or Star Wars has been exploring in the last you know, decade or so is we always kind of see the force as like good or bad. It's like this sort of monastic good versus evil. They're, they're kind of like mirrored to each other in a way. Um, but it's always like honed and trained in this. The only way I could say it is like monastic type religious type experience. Whereas we look at these, it's like there are other people in the galaxy that 
are attuned and can connect to the force, but they didn't come up in that light versus dark sort of way. This is a way to explore explore that essentially. Um, I don't think there are too many other examples in like the Clone Wars where they really explore with it, but well, they explore uh, the Force planet with the son and the yeah, son and the brother which, and sister. Well, but that also kind of but, plays more into the whole balance thing, I think. True, and we should light versus dark. We should leave that for Jason. Yeah, no. Um, well. That's huge, though, Colin, because, I mean, that was pr probably one of the remaining big points I had on this game. It ties into, um, you did say it was spoiled for you, right? Or you spoiled it for yeah, yourself yeah, yeah, as yeah. far as yeah. what happens mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah. So I feel like there were two things that happened that really, like, surprised me in a good way, Be especially with how the game starts out, um, because, you know, the whole idea is, well, we need to rebuild the Jedi Order. We need to rebuild the Order. That's the most important thing. Which and, immediately you're like, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> well, but as we know, both from, you know, having the availability and the access to information that none of the characters right. in the game necessarily have, especially Cal, like we've seen the Jedi Order in the days of the Republic, you know, like we've seen that. We know what happens after. We know the Jedi Order doesn't get rebuilt in that time span. So something happens or, you know, something doesn't happen. And I felt like the fact that they really went the distance and committed to this idea of things being more gray and maybe needing at least the characters in this universe that are striving for, I guess, a return to whatever their normalcy is, maybe abandoning that and striving more for some sort of balance or some sort of gray kind of mentality. I thought that was great because it really echoed, I feel like, what at least Ryan Johnson was trying to do in the new films, which was kind of an interesting take on it. Um, but, you know, they've got a, a lot of characters that kind of don't subscribe necessarily to any particular belief system or viewpoint. I think uh, Seer, um, I forget the witch's name. It was something with an M. Marin. Marin, that was it. So with her character, with Seer, again, they're very ambiguous. You know, they're characters that have kind of embraced different sides you know i don't think with marin like you look at her character she's not bad she's not you know like mustache twirling evil she's tapping into some really dark shit but she's, she's not a bad person and and ultimately when she joins your crew i was like awesome that's great that's what i was hoping was would great. happen like that's i thought great. it was a surprise it was really good to see and same thing with um with seer like that whole story with her and uh her uh apprentice Trilla. Uh, Trilla, I thought that was a really cool arc and it was really well told. Um, but the fact that, you know, she shuts off her connection to the force because she basically embraces the dark side for a very short period of time because she's so angry, you know, and, and that scares her. But even at the end, like she starts using the dark side again and, you know, she's kind of brought back from the brink. But like you're seeing these characters who it's a lot more ambiguous. They're not necessarily locked in. And I thought that was really cool. It was really refreshing. And then the, the ultimate, I guess, like refutation of kind of the old ways is at the end with, you know, you spend 30 fucking hours chasing this damn holocron and Cal cuts it in half and says, you know what? It's better to just 
leave them to their own devices. If we corral them all up and we try to restart the Jedi Order, all we're doing is putting all these kids in danger. And he did the and, right thing. And there's no need yeah. to do it. And right. you know that whole scene where he's, uh, and I saw it was an interesting um, kind of comparison of it. Like as you're climbing in that force vision, I didn't even catch it at the time, but you're like in a trench. It's like a war going on yeah. and there's blaster bolts firing over either side and you're climbing, but it looks like you're crawling. And to me it was... Yep it's really just a symbolic of this never ending struggle, this never ending war. And I was glad to see that his ultimate decision was no, we're not going to do this. So like, you know, what's next? So I feel like that's a very new school, new Canon star Wars thing to do. The, if this game was put out 10 years ago, it would have been, Oh, yeah. You know, you would have had an ending montage before the credits of them chasing down all the kids across the galaxy and bringing them to the Jedi Academy and saying, well, we're going to really lick those Sith, you know, like that would be your ending. But we didn't get that. I feel like this is a lot more ambiguous. It was a lot more gray, but it was also more interesting, which is why I liked Last Jedi. We're going to really lick those Sith. Ben, go ahead. Yeah. Earlier I said that this game didn't really do anything new for Star Wars, and I think I've, I'm wrong, actually. I don't think that was fair for me to say. That was kind of a knee-jerk reaction. Now as we're talking about it, as I'm digesting it, and thinking about the characters more, because I think for me, I, I'm always better as I talk about things anyway. I always think better as I talk about things. I, I, I realize that perhaps this game is the first piece of mainstream Star Wars media, outside of the books, of course, because the books explore all kinds of ideas, to explore an actual theme besides Hero's Tale, when you really think about it. Like, a lot, like, the, a lot, the mainstream saga is, is just the story of characters. They're, it's character-driven, for the most part. But, um, this is a story of trauma. Everyone we meet has encountered a massive trauma from mm-hmm. Cal to End Order 66, to Seer and her breaking of the betrayal of Trilla, to Trilla's turning to the dark side, forced to turn to the dark side. It wasn't a choice. We all know that. To um, even BD1's memory loss is a form of trauma, you could argue. Um, it's fascinating. And, and, and Marin, of course, Malakos. It's all about how these people in this universe are dealing with the trauma of an awful event that affected them all a little bit differently and how some choose to lash out. And once like, yeah, none of this is new. None of this is like, yeah, people have trauma and they react to it differently. Like, yeah, of course. But to have these kinds of characters in star Wars, especially the kind like Grease, Seer, Cal and Marin come together and stay together at the end, which I love. I'm glad Seer didn't die. Um, it, it's it's more hopeful than I think a lot of Star Wars media has been in a while. Like, I love The Last Jedi, you know that. But, like, especially the new trilogy, it doesn't have that kind of... has hope, but it doesn't have that same tone of hope uh, of reparation that these characters are going through. And it doesn't really, doesn't really have the ability to do that within the setting that it's playing. But these characters help each other and repair each other, and by the end of it are much stronger. Cal makes a decision that he would not have been able to make at the beginning. And no. that's, that's storytelling. And he wouldn't telling. have made that decision he, either. Not at all. No. That's, a, that's storytelling 101. Like, you need, at the by the end of the story, your character needs to make a decision that he would not, that he or she would not have made before. And that's it. 
and he's supported by it even better. No one argues with him. No one disagrees. Seer, who was gung-ho, like, repair the Jedi Order, supports him in that decision. So it's just a... Guys, I loved this game. Like, I loved this game. So I want to point out, which is also very important for the ending, was not only did he make this decision, he said, okay, no, we're not going to do that again. It's not... It didn't work last time, and it's not fair to these kids. Let them make their own kind of destinies at this point. And then he, it's kind of asking the question, okay, what's next? What's next? And I think that's also really awesome in the fact that he's not just rejecting like what was, and he's not going to try to do it again. What else can we do, though? Right. And I, and I don't think this goes down the... It doesn't go down the path of like exploring... like kind of like the okay reject the light and dark type thing i don't think that they're really exploring that but it's like how can we impact the future what good can we do going forward from here without repeating the same mistakes that happened before and i don't also think that that's ea saying we want sequels out of this game if it's successful so it was a little bit of ea saying they want sequels but i i do accept the fact that it's the way that the character was developed, I, I think, yes, well done. He's not done. He just doesn't think that was the best way to do it. Right. He's not giving up on fighting the Empire. Yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, I would have given this game a 10 out of 10. 100%. Uh, oof, actually, which I have two big, two more big points that I wanted to discuss, if that's okay with you guys. Yeah, I think I've got one. Okay. One big thing left that I want to bring up. Then I'll, so, I'll, I'll, I'll want to end mine out on a high note and we'll see if we converge at all on what we want to say. Sure. I want to talk about my, my, my bad note. This game was going to be a 10 out of 10 for me. I, in, in every way, the story, the gameplay, I had so much fun playing this. I like souls likes because combat and death never feel like a punishment. I get frustrated do not get me wrong. I get frustrated a lot. There's a lot of times where I, I slam my controller down and I get up and I walk away. But uh, it's I always feel like I'm learning every time I lose. And so that's why I like Souls Likes. My biggest problem was the lack of graphical polish in this game. Mm. And I know that I know why it happened is because of what you said earlier. EA gave him a date. And EA doesn't fuck around with their dates. That's that's a known fact. That's what's cap what happened with Bioware. And I have to respect that. You know, it's their company. They do they have their dates, they don't delay. They should kind of think about delaying sometimes. This game could have used two more months of polish. That's all it really needed. I'm not a game designer, but I'm guessing that's all it really needed. Cause it was it was so like like Colin had said, it's a really good looking game. There's just little bits of like uh, the first time I fought Trilla, not including the tutorial level, but the first time you fight her on Zepho, um, she every after you die, you go, you get on the elevator, you ride it down, you know, the, the door opens up, she's T posing, and her lightsaber's out in front of her, and it's really embarrassing. It's like, ah, uh, no, okay, and then she she'll snap out of it and finally get back into it. And all of them, all the bosses really had that problem. I had a couple of like sliding around glitches that I've seen. I've had a couple of stormtroopers be fighting me and I take like one step outside of their threshold and they put their weapons away and like walk mm -hmm. away. And I'm like, hey, what are we yeah, doing? It was certainly buggy. I mean, that was the thing. So I played it on 
my one X. Mm-hmm. So it gives you that slider where you can do, you know, high resolution. So you can either play it, you know, targeted at 30 frames in 4K or you can play it unlocked at 1080p. Mm-hmm. And like I played it unlocked at 1080p just because it was a little bit more fluid, but it was really like jerky you know it was the the frame rate was so inconsistent that it was like i I was tempted to just go back and put it to 30 Mm -hmm. because it could maintain it at least but then it was especially with that type of game you need you need those frames you need that those extra seconds so i I ended up playing just about the entire game in that mode but it, it just was it was really buggy now that's to take nothing away from the art direction absolutely because as far as the Star Wars universe in a video game, very few have done it with the level of fidelity this game did. I feel like they nailed it. The look of the ships, the droids, the characters, the weapons, you know, the lightsaber, like, yeah. perfect. M- might as well have been a movie. I lightsaber mean, customization. Yeah, we haven't even talked was, about that. It's incredible. Yeah, it, that was perfect. But yeah, technically... Respawn can do better. They have. They I, needed a, I, little, a little more time. Yeah, two more months. I think they would have. It would have been an uncharted level of polish. It would have been there. With that being said, I did just want to say that it dropped it to an eight out of ten for me. Okay. So like, and I'll, I'll get more into it when we do good sci-fi, bad sci-fi. But that that's I. I it did not kill the game for me. It just it made it not perfect. Oh well, <laughs> like, I'm fine still. What were you saying, Colin? Sorry. I was going to say, do you think if they weren't forced to work on Apex at the same time that maybe they would have avoided some of those issues? I think they're different teams, aren't they? Uh, truthfully, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I like to think no matter how many teams you have, when a company is working on more than one big game like that, it affects how the games are built. Like, Apex came out the same time as... um Mass Effect, Andromeda. I think if they worked on only one of those games, they would have. Apex had... came out early this year. No, I get it. Sorry, Mass Effect and uh, Andromeda I, I, came out while they were working on Anthem. Is what you were saying? Mass Mass Effect and Andromeda came out while Bioware was working on Anthem. Anthem, mm-hmm. and I think that if they only worked on one of those games, they would have been stronger. But they kind of well. They well, kind that of, was they, one where they had different dedicated teams working on it. Yeah, that's not the same thing. But because... they gave the inexperienced team Andromeda, right? Which is why that became kind of a buggy mess. Whether or not you like the game, but uh, truthfully, I don't know if Respawn is at the point yet. I mean, certainly they probably could be now. I don't know if they've got like multiple internal teams because that was the thing. Like Bioware, that was. If you look at Bioware when Andromeda was being developed, that was like the quote unquote height of their powers. They had like five or six studios across North America. Yeah. Yeah. They closed like three of them. Well, I think Texas and uh, oh, fuck, was it Toronto or Montreal? Montreal, I think. Did you Texas read the Montreal Polygon article? No, I did not. I'll, I'll find it and link it to you. It's incredible it's a long read but it is it's wild it's the most really really good stuff it's the wildest thing i've ever read like it, it has nothing to do with different teams working on things it, it's literally like incompetence is it a casey hudson shit post no casey hudson hasn't been part of bioware since he came back for anthem i think uh this is 
this has been an ongoing problem since uh, after three uh, Mass Effect three, as I recall, and it has oh. to do with the phrase the Bioware yeah, magic. I was just about to say that. That's all you need to know if you want to summarize the the articles that you. I think see. I remember you telling me about it at one point, yeah. but I would love to read it. Long story short, the magic ran out. Well, it's a shame because you'll read, you know, there were several articles. I know that um, there was the Polygon one on um, Andromeda, and then there was the, uh, it was a Kotaku one on Anthem. And it's a lot of the same stuff, you know, a lot of the same stuff you'll see. So, yeah, truthfully, like, I, I mean, obviously in uh, instance like that, like that's an extreme. I don't think Fallen Order is anywhere near that. No, it's a no, playable no, game. Not at all, not at all. You know, and, and I, I think a lot of that stuff can obviously be patched out. And they nailed the aesthetic, which is the most important thing. And it is a very pretty game. It mm -hmm. looks really, really good. Um, for the most part, runs how it needs to run. It's yeah. solid. Um, again, you know, it, it, that's always my thing is when you give the option to like run it in that high performance mode or whatever, the un, uncapped mode, like typically games will run with that. So that's why I was a little disappointed with this one. But ultimately, I don't know. It didn't really kill the audiovisual experience for me do you think that's something that's patchable though yes maybe oh, like if you went and played yeah. it six, six months, months, months from now it'll be it'll all be cleaned it'll up. be they yeah. actually have already started sending out updates you know i'm i i'm looking forward to a new game plus mode because i definitely want to play this game again so i definitely would love to i want to ask you you guys because i know you have very different opinions on that uh dark souls-esque play style that this game was inspired by jason i know you didn't finish the game because of it i got probably 75 percent of the way through the game is playthrough you know like i played it and then i went on youtube to finish wow the story but that makes me sad well so this is my big thing and i'm glad we had the discussion we did before we got to this point because by no means do i want to be like debbie downer on it but my thing with this game is I, I have it in two spheres. There's the story. There's the presentation, the aesthetic, a lot of pretty much everything we just covered in the last hour talking about. And then there's the actual game itself. Gameplay. The gameplay. The story was great. I loved it. I was hooked on it right from the get go, right from when uh, what's the. The planet you're on, where you're the you're doing the mining stuff. I forget exactly, but I know. You're or you're about. basically shipbreakers. So you got the Sarlacc ship, yeah. pit in the middle, of the salvage stuff. Then there's the gameplay. So I'm admittedly I'm not a fan of Souls likes. I don't like them. I, I've enough. played all the Dark Souls games. I've tried to play um, that Sekiro game. I've tried to play Bloodborne. I just don't. I don't care for how punishing those games are. And typically, like I don't. I've, I've tried those games, especially like in the infancy of the Soul series, like Demon Souls, uh, the first Dark Souls game. You know, I, I played and gave it a shot. You know, they were games I, I got the old five night rental and I played them a little bit every night and it just didn't grab me. It didn't hook me. So it's not so much for me, like with those games anyway, like the level of difficulty, because I'm not a, a person where I'm going to sit there and like I'm going to get any game and I'm going to put on easy mode just to get through it. But I was tempted to several times while I was playing this game. But I don't think the answer for this game would be to go like a Force Unleashed, like arcade type game, because it wouldn't be the same game if it was like that. So I don't think that's the solution. I don't think the solution is make a game I would like to play 
in order to tell the story they wanted to right. or present it the way they want to. It's a testament to the game that I stuck with it as long as I did because I wasn't really enjoying it <laughs> from a gameplay perspective. <laughs> I didn't. I, this game to me wasn't very fun, but I respected and appreciated what Respawn was trying to do so much that I stuck with it. But I didn't play this game and make it as far as it did because I found it rewarding. The reward for me was the story. And that's why I continue to play it. But I had several times I, I shut it off. I shut it off. I said, screw this. And then a couple hours later, I found myself saying, oh, what happens next? Well, that's the thing. I got to find out. So I went back and I played the boss that was beating my ass and I dodged. And, you know, when he turned red, I you know knew I couldn't Which dodge boss? it. So I had to. I mean, there was a few of them. Which, I, it got which me one on, did, uh, when did you finally stop? Oh, shit. Where'd I get? I got pretty far. You beat Malikos? Yeah. Okay. So um, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what comes after that because I know you go to the... Uh, well, because that was the thing. Like, I wanted to talk about it and I was that close so it wasn't going to be like, oh, don't spoil it for me. Right. I got my money's worth out of the game. Yeah. But at the same time, it's just... It's nothing against Respawn. It's nothing against the story that they wanted to tell or how they achieved it. For me, it's very similar to like, uh, you know, I, I think when we did the Outer Worlds cast a couple weeks ago, Miller was talking about how he doesn't like first person shooters on a console. Anymore, sure. Right. He appreciated Outer Worlds for what it was, the story, the gameplay, everything else like that. It's just th that one aspect he couldn't really get behind. To me, it's the genre of Souls likes. I just don't care for them. It's just me. I mean, there's yeah. there's certain types of genres of games that I really enjoy that I'm drawn to. I like role playing games, I like action role playing games. I like the turn based role playing games. The the one thing this did for me when I was kind of frustrated with it, I said fuck this, and I went back and I bought Kotor again. And I started <laughs> to play through a Kotor, and where I struggled with this for a while to really get into it, I put 15 hours in Kotor in two days. <laughs> well, there we go. But, so but, you do have time to play video games. Well, well I'm on vacation this week, so All this right. week I did. Oh. But that's kind of my thing is like ultimately um, I stuck with this because of how well done the story is. And I really and we've discussed it at length here. Like I think they really knocked it out of the park and I love the presentation of it. I wouldn't say for like Jedi Fallen Order 2, I would want them to like uh, to shy away from the souls like gameplay or that I would want them to simplify it or I'd want them to dumb it down because I feel like to make me happy there would make you unhappy because right. you like this game for a lot of the reasons that I didn't like it. So that's cool. You know, yeah, I think yeah. we if it's a Venn diagram and it's Jason and Ben, we agree that the story, what they did, the characters, characterizations, the aesthetic of it, that's right in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. For you, the gameplay is part of the reward. And for me, it was something I struggled through to get to that meat, to get to that stuff that really, I don't know, kept me trucking along. So ultimately, I, I, it'd be hard for me to score it. It's certainly not a failure. It's not a bad game. I think it's a really good game. It's just a game that's kind of in a genre that's outside my comfort zone. Yeah. And certainly there is enough overlap with games I've tried to play and tried to get into that I just couldn't and didn't really enjoy to where I couldn't say like definitively, yeah, that was a really rewarding gameplay experience because for me it wasn't, it was a rewarding story experience and it was a rewarding star Wars experience, but the gameplay, 
I don't know. I just I had a hard time with it. It makes me sad. Um, I get it. I can't argue with that. You know, it's just a matter of preference at the end of the day. Uh, I, I do. I am sad that you say Sills likes are punishing because I disagree in that aspect. I think um, they are a strict master. They hurt and they uh, frustrate, but they teach and reward, in my opinion. But to each their own. And, and I understand that people don't want to play video games all the time and feel frustrated only to get that treat afterwards. Like, yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like I said earlier, like I have, I was upset a lot of times. <laughs> I was very upset. But uh, I, I think that it was, maybe I'm just a sadist. Well, no, I, mean, <laughs> no, so I, I wanted to or say masochist. that I have a, a coworker who really loved this game. And when I talked about how I don't really care for the combat style and the souls likes myself, he said the the feeling he gets for finally beating yeah. that boss for learning all from all those mistakes and actually finally doing it is all the satisfaction he needs. It's the ultimate high. He didn't even go into like the story. He just said he loved the feeling of overcoming that. Which well, I sure. Thought, for the most part, when I play video games, it's because I love the story. I want to explore it and everything. I want to interact with the story is a big thing. Um when I want to just feel the feeling of accomplishment, I usually just play like a multiplayer shooter game like Overwatch or something. But uh, I can see where he's coming from for that. But when I have the time to sit there and invest in a single player game, I don't like that kind of challenge. Well, so and that's the thing, though, like that's why I can't take marks away from this game because of that, because I understand that that is a subjective personal opinion that I hold. I don't really care for those types of games and therefore I don't really play them. The reason I played this game was because it was a Star Wars game. Yeah. And it was Respawn. And so ben, that's two and, things that were going for it and, and the ben one told thing you that to play it. The, the one the, I put it on the schedule. <laughs> well, the one thing that was against it was that it was a Souls like, but it was Respawn and it was, you know, it, sorry, I guess there would be three things. Respawn, it's an action adventure game because it is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean it's it's Star Wars and it's I don't know, canon in an age where I feel like they're really starting to come into their own with this. I mean, that was everything we just discussed, like the fact that this game ultimately was a discussion of trauma and how these character characters handle it, you know, kind of that more gray view of the force. Um, I thought that was worthwhile. So I'm, I'm glad I spent the time with it. I don't think it was, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have just wanted to watch a, like a let's play of it. Right. I enjoyed the time that I, I spent with it, but I got to a certain point and I just said, I can't, I can't, you know, I, I, I maybe I'll finish, I'm sure I'll finish it, but it's not going to be something where I'm going to play it. I don't know. I'm not going to play it and it be my game for two months and go home after work and put on for two hours and not be able to beat a boss and like get that rush when I beat that boss. That's not how, how or why I play games. Right. But I understand that people do. And like to your point, I think that's great. If you get that feeling out of yeah. playing those games, I'm happy for you because like that's that's great. And obviously, a lot of people share your view of that. And that's why those games are popular. It's just not a genre that I've been able to get, I guess. It's funny you mentioned that you started playing the game and then you finished by watching the game. I started by watching the game and I said, 
this isn't enough. I want to experience this more. Um, so I ended up buying the game. As we're recording this, I bought it last night. But I could not put the game down. I loved it. It's fantastic. Um, and the combat, I will admit, I am playing it on the easiest setting because <laughs> I just don't have the time to invest in that much trial and error. That's fair. Uh, but I fucking love it. I can't wait to keep playing it. In fact, as we leave here tonight, I'm contemplating staying up very late to play it. Uh, I love it. I already know the ending, and I want to keep going. I, I want to explore these characters more. Well, then... Well, uh, but I, I do want to ask you guys one question then we're going to uh the final is it good or is it bad okay if there is a sequel to this game which i'm sure there will be are you going to play it yes yes a thousand times yes jason? give me more give me everything jason yeah no i mean i'll give it a shot i absolutely will because Even if I, it's in the souls like yeah i genre? will because again they they hooked me with the story they so if the gameplay didn't get me, the story did. I'm invested in these characters now. I like what they're doing with it. So I'll give it a shot. I can't say it'll be one where I'm going to be, you know, raving about it per se, or I'm going to be, you know, but at the same time, I have to feel like they're, I don't want to use the word concessions, but I feel like they're, they're going to have to look at the feedback they got from the game and say, this worked, this didn't. Maybe if we make a sequel, we'll have that extra time for polish and maybe that'll make a difference. Yeah. Maybe, you know, uh, again, I'm not asking them to cater to me. Don't make a game that I'm going to like better at the expense of what Ben got out of it. But to me, tell a story that's that strong and expand on what you've already done mm -hmm. and and polish it and really tighten it up and yeah i'll be along for it they'll get my 60 bucks again all right very quickly before we dive into good bad i just wanted to say that that is how you do a darth vader sequence rogue one <laughs> fuck you that's oh yeah he slaughtered a bunch of helpless rebels who gives a shit dude i was i was smiling the whole time it's... in rogue one i'm sorry that was a great scene no fuck that scene when you beat Trilla and you hear the <sighs> my gut dropped like immediately it was an, it was a visceral reaction. I was like, oh, no. And sure enough, here he comes <laughs> dropping down. And, I'm, and at this point, here's the thing. Rogue One, I don't give a shit about anyone on that ship because I know Leia gets out of it and the rest of those little fuckers are all fodder. Who gives a shit about that? Cal, Seer, Trilla, they're all expendable. All of them can die in that moment. And like that could be it for Cal. I didn't know. I was like, I you know, they could easily just make Jedi Fallen Order two about a different guy. You know, it's it would have been very easy to do it. And so when Vader shows up, the stakes are at a phenomenal high, higher than anything that I've experienced in Star Wars. I think. And so that is how you do a Vader sequence. The the whole it was Seer going over the edge. I was like, oh, fuck, that's it for well, Seer. <laughs> what got me was when Vader is holding BD-1. Yes. And I was like, no! Don't yes. kill BD-1. Dude. And, and yeah, I mean, I was invested. And like that whole scene was was really good, especially with the way they got out of it, because the only reason they got out of it was because of, uh, wow, what's her name again? Seer. No, um, the character with the M, the witch. Oh, Marin. 
because she was in the water yeah. looking out for him. Yep. That was the only reason. So if she wasn't there, they're all dead. Yep. Which, I mean, that just kind of further kind of cements how important the story was like that they all found each other yeah. because that was the only way they got out of that situation. Dude, but no, it's... I agree. I mean, it was a really cool sequence. Um, that was kind of what I was getting at earlier when we were talking about, you know, things that feel like they could have been shoehorned had they not done it in a way where it worked because that scene very easily could not have worked. Oh, yeah. it, it could have been stupid. It could have been hokey, but like that whole sequence where like uh, Cal is kind of running over that catwalk and you, you know, you, you don't dare look back, but no. you know, Vader is ripping the catwalk up and then he rips the door up and he's throwing debris and he's pissed. He's, he's prime Vader villain height of his powers as Vader. Like, you don't fuck with him and he's coming for you full force shoves a lightsaber in the elevator door and you know it's just bad news but it's like a horror game yeah. all of a sudden like i was like when when trilla says it's from trilla's first words which is avenge us and she dies and i was like upset right then and then cal doesn't immediately run <laughs> And I was like, dude, do you have any idea who this dude is? Run, bitch. And I was like, I don't want to fight him. I was but just that's the thing. They don't. They, they have don't. no they clue, have no who, clue who Vader we is. We know, but they have no clue. Because They've you think about the timeline. Yeah. things at this that's point. It. He's yeah. a boogeyman. It's great. Oh, fuck. I, I, I need more. I love this game, guys. I, I loved it. All oh, right. I believe you. Sorry. We'll dive into whatever. All Thank right. you for letting <laughs> indulging me on that. <laughs> hey, that's why I'm here. Except when you shouldn't. Um, all right, boys. Real quick, we're gonna start with. Do you want to call it good sci-fi, bad sci-fi, or just well, good game, bad game, I, I or good Star Wars, bad Star Wars? I feel like it's a bad sci-fi. Yeah. Okay. And, and right. I mean, if you wanted, to, I'll I'll start. If you wanted to do all three, you could. You know, I think the well, go ahead, sir. Well, I say good sci-fi, bad sci-fi, good Star Wars, bad Star Wars. I think I know your guys' answer for the well, second one, but this one I think whereas a lot of even the films, you can't necessarily go as far as to say it's like good sci-fi or bad sci-fi. But we I, always sorry, but what we always say that on here we treat Star Wars as sci-fi even yeah. though it's but, not. But this one I think was. I think this one was was objectively it was good because it's taking the fantastical which i mean that just kind of is par for the course with this series but it's really that examination of trauma like we said so it's taking i mean as we've discussed many times elements of sci-fi what makes sci-fi sci-fi it's taking something in the real world and we're examining it through the lens of something fantastical right yes. so this is that but that is what the entire story is and every character has their own trauma. So I feel like they really do take the time to analyze that and to, to say, what, what does that look like in this universe? So I think it's good sci-fi. I think it's great. Star Wars. I think to me, between this, the Mandalorian, I mean, again, we don't know what we're getting with rise of Skywalker, but at the same time, like if, more creators are handling the property or kind of have their creative hats in the ring and are doing what these last few properties that we've talked about and have come out recently are doing with it. I think it has a bright future. Um, I don't know if the mainline films are going to stick the landing or are going to tell as, in as interesting of stories as the extended stuff has, but like, this is cool. Like I want to see more of this. So yeah, like good game, same thing. Kind of hard to say, like, 
are all those gameplay systems developed the way they need to be? Yes. Was it my ideal game? No. But was the story really good? Did it suck me in? Did it get me invested? Yeah. So all in all, I would say very positive things about this. I wouldn't tell anyone don't play this game. I would just kind of give them a qualifier. What type of games do you like? Because now that I've spent so much time with it, I know the type of game it is. I know the type of game it isn't. So I think that would be what I would qualify before I let someone borrow my copy of it. But I would say it's absolutely great Star Wars. Good sci-fi. Okay. Um, I'm going to reserve the opinion on whether it's good sci-fi or bad sci-fi just because I haven't finished it yet. I know what happens, but I want to experience it Fair enough. in a more organic way. Uh, I will say so far it is great Star Wars. Knowing what happens in the story and what I've played so far, I think it's fucking excellent. And especially that they're not just treading over the same shit that Star Wars usually treads over. They're exploring things in a different way. And I know from a creative standpoint, they've invented new worlds new species yeah the Zepho, we didn't even talk like, about Sorry all this that. stuff that they invented and they worked in collaboration with lucas arts it wasn't just free reign yeah. so this might be stuff that lucas arts wants to explore in the future so um i'm excited for that i think it's great star wars uh i recommend it from what i've played so far i love it i recommend it to anyone listening ben yeah um you guys know where I've been on Star Wars for a long time. I mean, it needs to end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was there. I was, I was very much in the Star Wars franchise. Needs to end. Uh, Jedi Fallen Order has made me excited for Star Wars again. It's you know returned that feeling of being a kid and watching Luke Skywalker going up against Darth Vader. Like literally, when Cal Kestis goes up against Darth Vader, I was shrieking. And I, I just, it's great sci-fi and good sci-fi and fantastic Star Wars is if I could put this on a rank of movies, this would be my favorite Star Wars movie. This would beat Empire. It would beat uh, Clone Wars. I think that despite the graphical errors that still exist within it, I think it's the most substantial piece of star wars mainstream star wars i should say you know the books are difficult to qualify in that because there's just so many and not a lot of people read all of them but it's the most substantial piece of mainstream star wars we've ever gotten and i'm really excited for what's next so great star wars good sci-fi did you say star force or star wars star wars okay I think I did. I guess the audio is there, so we'll just, we'll find out. We'll find out. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you um, for giving your opinions on this. Um, I know it was a small cast, but I, we talked a lot more we than still, I thought we, we would. It's, never, it's a normal size cast. We can never say it's going to be a short episode no. because no, we curse never, ourselves never. every time. No, there was a time, so there was a time when Ben used to be like a stickler for time, and he still wants to wrap it up as soon as he can, but now yeah. he's just like, let it happen. Whatever. Whatever. Um... Thank you all for listening. Uh, this is a very heavy Star Wars block. I mean, as you guys are listening to this, we've already given you our initial reactions to The Last, or not the last Jedi, uh, <laughs> The Rise of Skywalker. Um, we're going to give you this episode, and then following this will be another Rise of Skywalker episode, which is going to be our, our reactions after we've digested it. We've actually thought about it for a while and how it actually has impacted the series, the saga, and our lives. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, 
can't really go into too much detail of what's coming up in January. Um, ben will finalize a schedule for us for that. We'll probably post it on Facebook, I think. I think February is God knows where. And I will say that March, I'm looking that far ahead. Spoiler alert, that is a month of Miller. Andrew Miller is picking every single topic that we are covering <laughs> in March because... Miller March month? Miller March month. Uh, the boy is turning 30, and for some reason, Ben decided to award him with his free month. I want to be awarded, but you, there's no, I well, don't have a month that begins you will, with but also, Andrew Miller <laughs> edits every oh, single September? one of these episodes on his own. So, yeah, we're going to give you September. You got it, bud. All right, September, I got it. Maybe. Anyways. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I'm checked out at this point. We're done. All right, boys. So, <laughs> by the way, folks, just so you know, we really need you to leave that review on uh, specifically Apple Podcasts. That's how we grow as a podcast. That's how we can put out better content in the future, more content in the future. We need to grow. And to do that, we need you to leave a review. So subscribe, leave a review, and we'll reward you. With what? I didn't make that promise. <laughs> with what? <laughs> what are you going to reward the fan base with, Colin? Well, they have to like <laughs> subscribe, and then we'll let them know. Thank you. Uh, thank you for listening, and until next time. <laughs>